0: So what are you waiting for? Let's get Ready to Thrive. Hello and welcome to Ready to Thrive. I'm sitting here with my new friend, Christy Cameron, and I'm really excited to chat with her about so many different things today. She is a vintage-inspired storyteller, which that alone should really intrigue you. Um, She is uh, writing both award-winning historical fiction and Bible studies. Uh, She also has some bibles coming out which i'm really excited to dive in and so i have never chatted with somebody who writes in all of these different genres so i'm really excited to talk to christy uh find out a little bit more about her her passions and all that she is doing right now so christy thank you for coming on ready to thrive and tell me a little bit more about yourself
1: Thank you so much for having me. And you know what? You made that sound like I'm a really interesting person. You did a great job with the intro, (laughs) but yes, I am a vintage inspired storyteller. So I do write historical fiction. And as you said, I also write nonfiction, but kind of behind the scenes, I started off in corporate America. Uh, So I've been a technical writer, curriculum design for a really long time in the really exciting field of healthcare not really that exciting <laughs> not as exciting as god's word and as writing historical fiction uh, but i'm married to jeremy my best friend uh we have been married almost 20 years i That's can't awesome. believe it girl 20 years like wow and we have three sons so we are super active in our house all sports all the time and uh we live in indiana so southern indiana right by louisville kentucky so I have to warn you, I might say y'all, every now and then we we fancy ourselves kind of Southern, so it might pop out in the interview, but that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Sometimes when I
0: am listening to a speaker for a while, like I've been kind of binging listening to a certain sermon or um, reading a certain author and getting their tone, I will pick up their accent only in my head. I cannot manage to get it out of my mouth. But often I'll have these seasons where I, too, am saying, y'all. And I was like, I don't know if I can get away with this, like, up in – outside of Vancouver, Canada. This is not something you hear people say. But I love – I love hearing it. So um, I want just, to just start a little bit back with uh, your story going from yeah. corporate America to becoming really a novelist. And can you tell me a little bit about that story, kind of how you – Walk through that, that transition, because I love those behind the scenes
1: stories. Yeah. And I love that question so much because it really starts off with, I have parents who now will come up to me and will say, I have a son or I have a daughter and they are interested in becoming an author. They want to be a speaker. They want to write Bible studies. What would you tell them? Because they're a little nervous, right? They're kind of shaking. Like this might not be a secure profession. Can you kind of, can you kind of steer them off this a little bit? Not, you know, kind of whisper back yeah, No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I am a total dream chaser. And so while I was really happy in corporate America, I loved what I did. I worked with great people. You know, I'm writing curriculum design and I actually um, have an art history research writing degree. So I went to school for this love of art, visual art, and storytelling. And I can tell you when I was a kid, this is so not where I thought I was going to go, but I wanted to be a Disney animator. Like I wanted to do that. Yeah. And it's before computers So I always joke, you know, I have these hands, right? For those of you who are listening, I'm holding my hands up, right? Because these hands can't paint, can't sculpt, can't do anything that an artist would have to do. And I thought, God, did you kind of make a mistake here with how you fashioned me? You know, like I thought, how am I going to do that? And so all those years in corporate America, I didn't realize it, but he had cultivated this love of storytelling. You know, when I was young, my mom would take my sister and I to the library every week and she would run off and read Jane Austen. And I love her for that, but I would go to the art section and I would read Disney animation books and art history books. And I did not know what God could do with that. And so then Uh, fast forward and I'm in corporate America and I'm kind of doing the art roles. And and here's what I really want your listeners to kind of watch out for. Listen for this, because some of you are really going to get this because you're feeling it right now. The Lord was pressing his thumb on my heart, telling me to go, telling me that I had, he had something else for us. And it was about three to four years of prayer that my husband and I, he joined me and we prayed, not knowing what God wanted me to do, just knowing that he had called me to ministry in some way. And he was telling me literally to cut the cord on my 15-year corporate career, working for a Fortune 100 company. And he was telling me to walk. And it was the scariest thing in my life. And so did
0: you quit your job without having kind of a plan? Or I want to know that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I can share that moment, but I also like to give a disclaimer. This is not financial advice. <laughs> please don't, please don't hear me say, well, this worked for her. So we're yeah. going to do that. It was totally God. Yeah. It was totally God telling me to walk. But, uh, but yeah, I, I kind of joke about this, that there was this spot and that was our holy corner in the corporate office. And I would go every morning and I would get my coffee and I would stand there and I would look out over this busy city street. I would drink my coffee and I would pray this super religious prayer. And the prayer was God, get me out of here. (laughs) That's the, that was the prayer. And it wasn't that corporate America was bad. Not at all. I mean, there were so many gifts that came out of that time and so many things I learned But the Lord was telling me to go. And I was terrified, but yes, we did go. Uh, My husband fully supported me. He said, "Um, I trust God and I believe in you. So let's do it. And here's the non-financial advice. We cashed out my 401k and we said, we are chasing this down. Mind you, I had never written Christian fiction before. I was a reader, but I had never written that before. I just knew the Lord was telling me to go and to write stories for him. And so at that time we had actually signed my first contract with Thomas Nelson, um, my publishing family, and I'm working on novels eight, nine, and 10 with them. And then out of that experience, too, um, after my dad passed away right around the same time, and that's a whole story that leads us into verse mapping and how verse mapping kind of came up in my heart.
0: Cool. So when you, uh, you quit your job and you had this publishing deal, um, mm-hmm. when you went to – so what people may not know is in order to get a publishing deal, typically um, for like 99% of the people, um, you are submitting a book proposal. Um, either to an agent who then will kind of submit it for you or you will go right to the publisher and you're submitting it. So Christy, was it just like, I submitted this one thing, it was super easy, they picked me up and
1: the rest is history or? And y'all you listeners could not see me laughing. Like I was laughing because for me, the journey, it was not easy. Now I did go to my first writing conference, the American Christian Fiction Writers. Um, It's a national conference in the States and ACFW, and I went there in 2011 when the Lord was really pressing upon my heart to start writing for him. I knew pretty much nothing. I knew pretty much no one, and I walked in there and I pitched my work to six agents and editors And this is just a personal preference, but I really believe in having agent representation because an agent does more than just going to a publisher and helping you get a contract. An agent is your partner to help you fashion an entire career. So ideally you would sign with an agent and you would have a great working relationship and you would stay together. Um, So that for me is really important. So I did sign with my first agent um, after that conference, you know, a month later we had two agents offered to represent us. We didn't know what that meant. And then I had two years, friends, two years of solid rejections after that. And it was submit something, crash and burn, enter contest, crash and burn. And then sometimes there would be a little glimmer. We always kind of called it like a thimble full of hope. It felt like that it was tiny, but it was enough hope that maybe I would final in a contest or, you know, I would um, place or something like that, just enough, to keep going. And then I had this book that I wrote when I was on maternity leave, believe it or not, because I was in corporate America, had no time. And uh, I said, okay, the only time I have to write this next novel is when I'm on maternity leave. So I wrote it the majority on my iPhone um, after our last son was born. And uh, that became my debut novel. I actually ended up winning an unpublished writing contest. And the judging editor was an editor at Thomas Nelson. And she's now the editorial director. And she's my editor. And we're working on novels eight, nine, and 10 together. So it's it's just, you never know. You never know. Some friends have been waiting years to get published. And, you know, I have a a friend who signed with an agent and then signed with a publisher on like eight chapters and then, you know, wrote the first manuscript. So you just never know. It's a unique journey. What I want to pause on for a moment, because I know for
0: people listening, you're like, I don't, I don't want to be a writer. That's not what I'm pursuing. But there may be something that you have had in your heart that is this little nudge and so a few things I want to pull out from Christy's story. One, she invested in going to a conference. And I think that's actually key is that sometimes in pursuing whatever we've been called to, we actually have to invest in it. And I think for a lot of us, especially in this day and age, we can live in this, this idea of I'm just going to be discovered. I'm going to sit around or kind of put in a a bare minimum effort and I'll get really frustrated when things don't just work out. And so I love that she invested in this conference. Um, I know she would have shown up there like, what am I even doing here? This is, I am in way over my head. And um, and then also that process she talks about, the two-year process of submitting these book proposals, this is not a um, texting back and forth. We got an answer right away. This is a long waiting process. So she's submitting a book proposal, And typically hearing back could be, it could be um, a month, it could be two months, it could be three months. It's a long process or you may not hear back. And so the reason I share that, just knowing some of the ins and outs of the book publishing world, I share that because sometimes when you're working towards something, uh, there is this waiting period, there is this, God, am I doing the wrong thing? And so wanting to encourage you, whatever the thing is that you feel like God is calling you to, that there can be just this season of continuing to be faithful with what God has put on your heart in these little things. And even as Christy casually mentions that she wrote her book um, on her phone notes on the go. And I think that Often we have this idea of whatever the dream is in our heart, we have to have the perfect moment with the perfect amount of time and all the finances are in place and all these things when really it actually most of the things that will be us pursuing our dream look like writing a novel on the phone notes of our phone. And so I just, I love that part of the story because it's, it's just saying yes, being faithful and doing the thing even when it doesn't really always look pretty or like I'm getting those answers right away. And I think everybody can relate so much to those parts of your story um, that, you know, even if you didn't get picked up or you didn't
1: get whatever, you were still just being faithful in that. So thank you for sharing those details. Yeah. And we still would have pursued it. Even if it didn't happen in two years, we knew God was telling us to do this. And so, and I said, we, that's something else. I am really big on having every person gather the cheerleaders in your life you know, who is your mentor? Who's your friend? Who's your parent, your sister, your brother, your spouse, anyone who's going to walk alongside you in this dream, including the Lord, he's going to be right there leading, but also you have to have those cheerleaders around you. And the whole thing was my husband, our sons, my parents, everyone was in on this. And so when I say we signed a contract or we got our first book that was published. It definitely was a we. So I'm big on the cheerleaders, get your dream defenders
0: around. I love that. And I know for some people too, That might look like people um, outside of your immediate circle. Sometimes it's even the people closest to us who are like, I don't understand what you're doing. Um, And I know for me, as I started pursuing a a dream of writing and speaking and various things, it was actually a friend of mine who lived on the other side of the country. um, And we would just send these video messages back and forth through an app called Marco Polo. And I started calling her my cheerleader because she was the one I could tell all of my fun news to and things. And she would come back and really encourage me and push me on. And I was like, it's funny that this wasn't necessarily the ideal cheerleading situation, but God put her in my life to be that person. So I'd love that you you talk about that. So how do you go from writing uh, novels to um, writing Bible study? How did you get both of those happening?
1: Yeah. And it's, it was a surprising journey. It was another step on this story road that we call it in our house that we did not expect. And so to kind of backtrack a little bit on the same day that we finally got a yes for my first publishing contract, which was fiction. An hour later, we got a call from my dad and he said, this could be bad. I may have leukemia. And so our family spent the next five months and I was editing my debut novel at the local cancer center. And you you gotta know this kind of story about my dad. He was saved and baptized at 60 years old. And so he had, yeah. and, And he had two years with Jesus. Here on Earth, before he didn't know, but he didn't know it was going to happen. But he went to go see Jesus face to face. And after, in the weeks after my dad passed away, my mom had uh, three Bibles and one Bible. And uh, you can picture this. It's like a 1970s when they were dating. She bought it for him. The burgundy leather cover has his name embossed in gold. Gold pages is not really used very much in much much of those years. And then we had two other Bibles. And my mom said, "Which one do you want?" And I said, "Well, I want the Nelson Bible because that's my publishing family." I had no idea what was inside this Bible. It, it was There were highlighter marks all over this Bible. So I had this kind of breadcrumb trail of my dad's journey with Jesus in the last two years of his life. And so by the time I left corporate America and the Lord kind of kept pressing that thumb on my heart and we got brave and we said, okay, we're gonna do this and we're gonna step out. We joke about this because the first day after that, I went into my closet. I got all my fancy suits out and took them to a donation center. We call it the burning the ships kind of thing. We're not going back. And the day after that, I contacted church and I did the one thing that I had always wanted to do, but never had time to do. And that was join women's Bible study. And then there were two things that hit me very quickly after that, as I'm walking in there with my dad's Bible, I didn't understand scripture. And secondly, I wasn't choosing scripture. It was, the Bible was not my oxygen as it should have been. And I was heavily convicted about that. And I didn't know how to fix that problem. And so that's kind of how verse mapping popped up in my heart.
0: I love that. I think so many women listening can relate where uh, for whatever reason, whether it's been busyness, tiredness, or just feeling like ill-equipped as to how to study their Bible. I think uh, for many picking up a devotional is a little bit safer cuz it's like okay somebody has shared a verse somebody has unpacked it for me this is a little bit easier but this is a process of actually learning to study the bible for ourselves and i think that's quite intimidating um and i think for so many women it is that place where you're like oh i'm you know i'm 40 i'm 50 i i should know this by now shouldn't i know this and and kind of realizing the more I study the words, sometimes I'm like, the more I study, the more I realize what I don't know. Um, and so what would you say to that woman who has been feeling that nudge of, you know what, I don't, I don't actually know the Bible that well. I don't know um, how to study scripture. What would you say to that woman?
1: Well, I would say that woman was definitely me. And I had a lot of barriers, barriers of time. You know, We had three small children in the house at that time. Um, I did not have confidence. Uh, Believe me, if I could turn back time and I could go to seminary, now I would choose that. But that wasn't the course of my life. I have a friend who's in seminary and I'm a little jealous. I'm like, girl, you're learning Hebrew and Greek and all this stuff. I wish I could go back and learn. So whatever the barrier is, I would say to your listener who has some of those barriers, not sure I can get it not sure I can understand. I don't have time. All of those barriers can be knocked down with the Holy spirit. They really can. I had a a friend and she said, Christy, because I wanted to solve that problem. Right. I wanted to understand scripture. And she said, I heard this thing called verse mapping. You, you should try it. And I said, well, what is verse mapping? And so of course you did what everybody does. You Google it and I'm so visual. So I'm seeing all these things. I'm seeing Bible art, Bible journaling, you know, spider maps, all kinds of things. And I thought, that's great, but I have to study in a way that is unique to my walk with the Lord. That's really what I hope your listeners get out of this, that for all of us, we call it Psalm 139 ing this thing, Psalm 139, how uniquely made you are and your study with the Lord can be unique in the same way. And so for me, I just adapted curriculum design principles. Remember those corporate days I told you about, I thought I was finished with all of that, but I just adapted those curriculum design principles made a method that worked for me verse by verse, five easy steps. And then I'm going to deep dive into scripture. And for the first time, it was like mic drop. I got it for the first time. And the Lord was leading me through really, really revolutionized my heart in that way. Well, let's dive into
0: what verse mapping is. So people get a sense of,
1: um, you know, they might be like, do you mean like geographical map? Like what, what is the, what is this verse mapping thing? Yeah. Verse mapping. The one thing that I love to say about it is that it's serious study, but it's study that moves with you. And that's what I love about it because I already mentioned that I had to write my first novel on my iPhone. I just didn't have time. And so for me as a busy working mom, it's a hard thing to block off an hour here, two hours there to sit down and actually do Bible study. Sometimes legit. I've got 10 minutes. I've got 10 good minutes and I can say, God, these are all yours. Every bit of this time is yours, but that's all I've got. I needed a study method that was going to work for me in that way. As the seasons of my life ebb and flow, I really wanted to dedicate the time I could to him. And so verse mapping is these five steps. It is selecting a verse. It is digging into the development of that verse and the design. So looking first at the design, you look at different translations. So you take your verse, you look it up in whatever translations work for you, whether that's NIV, New King James, NLT, find your favorites three to four to five, write that verse and start to notice patterns. I'm a wordy girl. So I'm looking at tenses of verbs. I'm looking for phrases that are used over and again, and try to isolate those areas that the Lord is really speaking to your heart and then you do word studies. So then you take those phrases, you take those words and you dig into, okay, I'm actually going to flesh this out, right? I'm gonna look at what fully develops the context of this verse. If it's Old Testament, we're gonna look up word studies in the Hebrew. If it's New Testament, it's in Greek. And then the fourth step, this is probably my favorite part because I'm a storyteller, it's the actions. And it's digging deep into each verse and saying, what is the story wrapped around this verse? And you really get into the senses, right? Example would be the book of Acts, first century Rome. What would it have looked like, sounded like, smelled like, felt like? Like, what would it have been like to live during the time of the early church? And you're looking at what's happening on stage, so to speak, right there in that verse. And you're looking off stage. You may look in the verses and the chapters before and after, but it's getting a holistic picture. Think of it like a movie. Your favorite movie, right? Everyone kind of, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. But if if you can, picture your favorite movie in your head. And what about that movie? It's probably been something that drew you into the story. Was it the characters? Was it the setting? And scripture can do that as well. So it's really making scripture come alive. And then the fifth step is the outcome. This should be a quick hit, one to two line summary that you can put on a post-it note. This is what the Holy Spirit taught me today. And this is how I'm going to apply it to my life. And those are the five steps. Select your verse, look at the design, development of what that verse is saying, the actions and the outcome. There you go. And you're retraining your mind to think like a researcher. And that's how you're going to read scripture.
0: What I love is that um, as you were talking, I was trying to find this verse uh, on my, I couldn't find it on my phone. I have to grab my Bible. But um, the way you are describing reading the word is, I was like, oh, this is what I do. I love to, I will read the Bible. I love reading a paper Bible But then I love to pull up my Bible app and read something. Whatever stands out to me, I'll read that in a few different translations just to get it. For me, it's the easiest way to get a really full picture of, oh, okay, the way this is worded, it's coming alive to me in a different way. And I recently was reading in Acts and had this one verse pop out to me. And essentially in the verse, it talks about how Saul... Who has this encounter with Jesus, and then becomes this guy named Paul? Because he was a guy who was really the, the most evil guy. Who is he's killing these disciples, and then he um, has this encounter with Jesus. His whole life is transformed. He becomes this guy named Paul, and there's just this one little verse that said, "Okay, and now he's he spent time hanging out with the disciples." And I just paused there, and I was like, "Whoa." This is a guy who not only was this evil guy, he he actually just killed their friend. Like he he was the guy that killed their friend. And I was imagining, could I hang out with somebody who had just killed my friend? And, and all of the forgiveness that it would have had to gone into that. And were they feeling afraid of him and all of the things. And so for me, I paused on that. And that's too where I love to look up the um, very, a word that stands out, look it up in I have another app on my phone where it's the Greek or the Hebrew and kind of peeling it back and saying, what does this word mean? And and flushing out and getting more of that context. Because I think similar to you, I I grew up as a Christian, but um, really never read my Bible. And I, I read it on occasion or if I was leading something, like leading a Bible study for um, Sunday school or something like that, but reading it for myself. And it was as i began to spend time and for me it was this time in the quiet morning when i could um re actually reading pausing on whatever kind of jumped out to me in the page and starting to look look that up and dig deep that was when really the bible became not just this black and white book but this technicolor in living color i was like wow yes. this is coming alive yes. and that's where you know it, the Bible talks about this is alive. It's living and breathing and active. And so I love that is one of the, the biggest things I think for women to get out of this episode today is that that is not because I am so smart or so special or anything different about me, but that I've just paused to take the time and read the word and study it for myself.
1: I think it's also being curious. Really, if you've got something that the Lord is working on in your heart, whether it's a relationship, you know, whether it is failed expectations, whatever that is in your life, then it's being curious. It is digging deep into that verse and saying, what would it have felt like? Like, I get it in a lens of 2020, but what would it have been like through the lens of when this is written? And it's really not that different to what I do as a historical fiction author. It is wrapping a story around, context for the way something was the way something used to be uh, one of the things I love that you brought up acts I think I brought it up because it's my favorite book but uh, secretly you know I, I guess that's out of the bag now it's my favorite book but I also it's examples of like when Peter in acts chapter 12 when he is saved from prison I mean I went on this curiosity rabbit trail of wait a minute What would a Roman prison have been like? And then you just start to research and you really start to get it and you wrap a story around a single verse and then it just makes that verse. I love that you said come alive. That's exactly what we're doing here. It's taking this field manual for living, which is our Bible, and it is making it breathe. In our lives, breathe in, breathe out, and it is—it's making it something where we are take—we're an active participant in the story, rather than just reading words on a page. We're actively participating in it. That's what I—that's what I hope that we convey with it. Well, and I hope
0: women also understand that um, sometimes it's just the act of discipline first of saying, "I'm going to sit down, I'm going to open my Bible, I'm going to study." That once you get going, and it becomes that in living color a live book, you will actually – I always say discipline creates desire because we sit down and we have this discipline and then then we get excited. And I don't know if you ever had this moment where someone has told you about a new show they're watching and you're like, okay, sounds good. And and they're trying their hardest to convince you, no, no, no you have to watch the show. It's an amazing show. And people are like, yeah. And and be, I don't know why I feel like so often we're resistant to get these recommendations from friends. And then you watch it. And I found this recently with this um, show, The Chosen. Um I loved watching the story of Jesus and so then I started telling everybody but nobody nobody will start watching this show and then once they do like oh yeah you're right this is the best thing and so I think it's kind of that same same principle where it's like I can tell you till I'm blue in the face this is going to change your life but until you do it for yourself um you're not going to know and once you do know You'll be like, oh, I understand why she couldn't stop talking about that. Because it it is gonna be this thing where you realize I'm always amazed how like my Bible, the scriptures were written so long ago, yet they speak to me every day in such a fresh way. And even how you can come back to another scripture again and something else is standing out for you. And so it really is in that process too of paying attention where you see this is this is really a big part of how God is speaking to us today in our lives and wanting to speak to us and connect with us. Um, I also love that you have so Christy's talked about this process of verse mapping and you you really can check it out. I think is it verse Dot com. Okay. Yeah. We we try to make things easy around here. <laughs>
1: it's versemapping.com,
0: Yep. So there is this process. And what I like is that I think it just helps give us a little bit of structure to what christy's saying so if you felt like okay that feels a little overwhelming i don't know where to start it's giving it a little bit of structure where again you can just do this on your own but then also um coming out in a few weeks are these bibles where it's really laid out and i love that because i love whenever i'm starting something new i love when something is just laid out easily for me and i can go through this and having a nine-year-old girl i love that you also have bibles for girls um ages eight to twelve so that's awesome
1: Yes, we do. And you know, the timing on this was really the Lord. Um, We had originally planned to have the Bibles come out six months before now. And just kind of the way thing, it wasn't COVID related, uh, just the way things worked out, it was better to have them released. And then it's perfect timing because now we're at the top of the year everyone's thinking new year's resolution. What are the areas of my life? Do I want to dig into scripture more? And then all of a sudden we are in this environment too. this, we're in this season as families where we may be in our home more often, we may not have the ability to gather in a study group or a church building. And so our hope as well with this is now that we have aversions for adults. And then we have versions for girls ages eight to 12. The hope is that families would verse map together. Mm -hmm. Families would dig into story design in the Bible and that we would develop these habits young, especially for our youngsters. Um, I have a triplet sister-in-laws and they are just on the top tier edge of the the age range of girls ages eight to 12. But this was developed with them in mind, with my sister-in-laws and families and hopes that if you can gather in a study group, that's wonderful, but if you can't, You can have a study time with the Holy Spirit, just you and Him, or in your own family, in your own living room, which is really has become our school, has become our worship center, right? Like our home has really become the epicenter of all of that after 2020.
0: I think that's so good. I I don't think there really would be anything that could be better as a New Year's resolution of really beginning to dig into the Bible for yourself. And I often talk about this idea of how, you know, um, being at church on a Sunday um uh, is great and really it's this process of us getting fed. Um, but we need to feed ourselves. We need to know how to feed ourselves. And I was saying to my husband recently about how, you know, in the world right now, things things are a little crazy and um and also for one one thing that I've noticed for a lot of um Christians in the world that seem to be in some ways, I want to say with all the shaking that's going on, feels like they are really kind of shaking themselves or are not sure what they're grounded in. And I said, I think part of it is this process of going from like with our four-year-old, she, she learned how to feed herself probably around the age of one. But sometimes she still sits there and says, feed me. I need somebody to feed me. And I was like, I think it's this process of realizing you have to feed yourself and you can't just say, "I'm relying on somebody else to feed me like I need to get into the word um and it is this it is this being fed every day, and we don't always realize um in the busyness of our lives that we have to we have to prioritize these things that are going to make a really big impact on our lives this year. I knew um because growing up in that or living in the Pacific Northwest. Things get very gray and rainy and cold and dark over the winter and seasonal affective disorder, um, which is the acronym is SAD, which I love, um, is very rampant. And for me, I knew I have to prioritize some sort of physical exercise. And I knew I had to start it before I really got into that season. And so for me, it meant joining this particular gym and I have loved it. It's been such a good um, mental health break, but I've loved it in so many aspects. And I was like, this actually has to be something I put in ahead of other things. And it's the same with getting into the Bible. I have to actually say this is going in first, then the other things will follow. And it really is going to be this thing that will, it will change and impact your entire life when you are getting into the word and studying it for yourself. And I think for Christy, what would you say are some of the other things that are really keeping keeping people from getting into the Bible for themselves?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting that you asked that question because I just read an article that was released, um, some research from the, I believe it's the American Bible Society. Ah, I'm not sure about that specific point, but it's the state of the Bible. And so you can look that up in, in conjunction with the Barna Research Center. And one of the points on there was really surprising. And it was how during the first six months of the year of 2020, that COVID and the quarantine really affected how we engage with the Bible. And you would think being in the home more, not going out as much that we would see that go up, right? It actually went down and the engagement with the Bible for women in particular went down and it actually showed a correlation, a direct correlation between gathering together with other people, gathering together with other women, that that goes hand in hand with Bible study. And I, that was remarkable to me, even just thinking about that, wow, how do we engage with the Bible in a sense, sometimes we may be doing it on our own. And I really, I really was hopeful that we can nudge that needle up. This isn't about even verse mapping or these Bibles that we're talking about. This is just talking about what you said, discipline making it a part of your non-negotiable time in the day with the Lord. When I was working on editing these Bibles and writing one of my last novels in 2019, I was a full-time women's ministry leader at a megachurch. And I knew very quickly in order to edit Bibles and write a novel and work more than full-time in that and do well in that ministry role to really love on the community, I was going to have to be disciplined. So my alarm went off at 4.30 in the morning. And I hit snooze and I really wanted to sleep in and but the Holy spirit just direct with me. If you are going to do this, you have to be disciplined. And that was the only day from day one. That was the only day that I even considered hitting snooze. So I woke up at four 30 every morning, had coffee. Cause that's a non-negotiable as well. <laughs> coffee time with the Lord. And then for me, it was riding sprints from five to 6 AM every single morning for more than a year. Um, It's just that time with him that I had to decide, is this important to me? Is this my oxygen? Is this something that I am going to continue and be disciplined? So I love that you brought that up because I think in an environment where we can't be disciplined, you know, maybe we are homeschooling our kids. Maybe we're having quarantine lockdowns like we had in 2020. Like we just don't know the environment and it makes it hard to be disciplined. So we have to cling to those areas in which we can be disciplined. And for me, that was digging into the Word.
0: Well, I love that. And I know there are going to be some moms listening who are up in the middle of the night with their kids and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't get up that early. And I always want to say to women, know your season and and pick a time that works for you. So it could be, I like thinking about things in terms of an anchor. So um, is it something where every day when your kids are eating breakfast, they get to watch a little show and you... Spend time in the Bible and and just kind of knowing. Sometimes, especially as a busy mom with little kids, sometimes you have to make the decision ahead of time. Here's what I'm going to do when. So when my kid is napping, I'm going to do this, and it might look like having a nap, and I am always supportive of that. Um, <laughs> but just kind of deciding ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do because one thing that will happen when it, whether it comes to getting up early, as Christy said, or exercise or anything our brain is great at coming up with the excuse as to why just this once we shouldn't do that thing and um and we'll do it next time. And so I think part of the discipline piece I talk about it being like the first domino and Christy said that it was for her it was that first morning where it's like that first thing is always the hardest when we can kind of get over that hurdle then usually we're like, "Oh, okay. Um I don't know if it's true for Christy, but for myself, I am not a morning person. I have never ever been a morning person. But I have learned to, like I said before, the discipline creates desire. I've learned to love that time in the morning. And it does, again, with the domino, it does create things where you say, oh, that means I have to go to bed earlier. That means I, I'm going to eat a little bit better. I'm going to do these other things. And so sometimes I know this is the new year and we have a lot of hopes and dreams in many areas and goals in our life. Um, this could be a domino for you where this you pursue this thing. It actually does go uh, help you in your Health goals in your fitness goals because you're up early and you're actually starting the day. Um, one thing that I always say is, I will never regret. I never regret starting my day with Jesus. It's never a regret getting up early in the morning. The regrets I have will be starting the day with one of my kids in my face demanding something, uh, but I never regret starting the day with him. Um, as we close, Christy, just tell me you you mentioned this idea of non negotiables. I'm just curious, what are those things you have in your life? Like, how do you stay connected to Jesus in what you talked about was a very busy season. And I'm, I, I'm guessing with three boys and so many writing projects and things that your life has often been quite busy. So um, how do you connect with God? What are those things in your life that are kind of the non-negotiables?
1: I, I love that question at this time of year. I think it's the 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 newness, the freshness of a new year. For me, that has to be walking away from other things and saying no to other things so that I can walk towards Jesus and say yes to him. And who knows what that could be. I've had times where I'm on deadline with a novel. And if I feel like the Lord is not there with me, even though I'm contractually obligated to meet that deadline, sometimes I will shut it down. I'll turn that computer off. I'll go take a walk with him. I'll listen to worship music. I will invest time in listening to a podcast. That's going to uplift me and inspire me, whatever that time is. And We have to recognize that it could look different at different seasons in our lives. You know, my children are older now. They're 14, 11 and eight is very different than when I had toddlers, you know, or is very different for uh, families who are empty nesters. So you have to really recognize your season with the Lord and be willing to say no and walk away from other things so that we can walk towards Jesus and just keep saying yes to him. That's what I would love to say at this point as we close, just keep saying yes. Awesome. Well, Christy, thank
0: you for uh, sharing your story with us being on here. And I'm excited to also dive into some of your fiction. Uh, what is your as we close? What's your your latest fiction that has come out?
1: I am super excited to share the Paris dressmaker. It is a World War II. Just think Coco Chanel fashionista. It is resistance meets runway. And it comes out on February 16th of this year. Well, That's so fun. Uh, well, I'm excited to check that out as well as your
0: verse mapping Bibles. And where can people find you?
1: You can find me at com and also versemapping.com. So we have these seven Bible editions and also a verse mapping Bible study journal that you can find right there on versemapping.com. Love it.
0: Okay. Well, so nice to have you, Christy. And I trust this has helped people move one step closer to thriving thanks so much for listening today. I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message. And if you have found it helpful, would you mind just sharing it with a friend, leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to po- podcasts, Podcasts, keeping it super professional. Um, if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram, where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.